Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 23, with your hosts, Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Hi, folks, and welcome to episode 23 of the MLR Kickoff. Dan Power with you. Also joining me, as usual, is my dear friend and co-commentator, Pete Steinberg. And Pete, it was a massive weekend in Major League Rugby. We had a couple of interesting weather games and then a resurgence of uh, a previous favorite side. But you were actually in Las Vegas over the weekend watching the USA Sevens go back to back. Yeah, I mean, it was a great weekend. Um, I was there with uh, Cap Gemini, um, who are one of the major sponsors of the World Series and it's their innovation. They're the innovation partners. And uh, it was a great weekend, got to hang out with lots of great people and a great win by the U.S. Um, and I, I'm going to call out a fellow commentator, Alex Corbisario. Both of us were on a panel talking about data and innovation in rugby, and um, we were asked to make our picks. And uh, um, Alex picked New Zealand, um, citing many things like the size of the pitch and you know, lots of things that made sense. And uh, I went with my heart and went with the U.S. And it was great to see the U.S. win. But I definitely do not want to rub it into Alex any more than I have right now, Dan. Yeah, he's a big man, that's for sure. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, good for you going with your gut there, Pete, because they had it. Uh, they had their work cut out. No Perry Baker. Danny Barrett goes down with uh, an injury on day two. So, or day three, sorry. So, tough... Uh, Tough run for the U.S., but what a great win. And out of the weekend, what travel tip do you have for the folks for this week? Well, you know, it's been, um, you know, this is the last, potentially the last year that the U.S. stop is in Vegas. And I know there's lots of people that have gone to Vegas um, for rugby. But if you ever go, and especially if you're going with family, if you're looking for hotels, look for hotels that um, are from the chains but often have sort of weird situations. So I stayed at the um, Marriott Grand Chateau, which is part of the Marriott Vacation Club. Great hotel, great rooms, um, a block away from the Strip, but doesn't have a casino, doesn't have, you know, sort of the smoke that's associated that gives Vegas a bad name. So when you're looking for somewhere and you're going there with families, there's actually a lot of choices. They're probably like, behind one of the big hotels or one block off the choice. And they're normally going to have sort of a vacation club or long stay affiliation with one of the, um, with one of the main hotels. But, um, you know, Dan, sad if this is the last year, I think uh, United World Sports has done a great job in building um, Vegas. I mean, the crowd was crazy. It has been crazy. And, uh, you know, um, pleasure to be there and watch the U.S. win. I love it when you speak French, Pete. The uh, Marriott <laughs> Chateau. Well, let's not uh, worry too much about Vegas. It was a great win, but let's jump into the weekend's result for Major League Rugby. And it kicked off down in Houston as Rooney, the mighty Roosters, they were crowing to the tune of 35 points to eight over the Sabercats, who, after that first up win against Austin, their season is looking eerily similar to last year, Pete. Well, it is. And I think one of the reasons why it's looking similar to last year is that Houston, actually, they're not playing that badly. You know, they um, they dominated in possession. They dominated in territory. The challenge is that Rooney were just much more efficient when they had the ball. They had um, real game breakers out wide. Um, I thought that, you know, playing Ben Foden at fullback was um, a big impact. I thought he had a big impact in the game. But, you know, for Houston, you know, their, their defense is, is struggling a little bit, but their offense is, is, is doing pretty well. And one of the things I want to say, Dan, and, and this is for the listeners that maybe, um, <clears throat> you know, aren't coaches. This is sort of a coaching thing. But one of the things that interests me about Houston is their shape. And when we talk about shape in rugby, what we're really talking about is how you split up your forwards and back, backs across the field. And Houston use a pod system. So they get their forwards to work in pods and basically generate some go forward to get their backs um, some space and some time to play with the ball. That is a very legitimate system. Um, it, it, it's one that can work very well, but it requires 
your forward pack to have physical dominance over the opposition. And that's what Houston has not had. The pack hasn't been blown away. They haven't been sort of physically um, defeated by anyone else, but they are not, they don't have enough good ball runners. They don't have enough physicality in their pods to generate that go forward. And therefore they hold on to the ball a lot. Their ball is slow a lot. It isn't moved quickly and therefore they become easy to defend. Yeah. Um, glad you glad you mentioned that, Pete, because that's exactly how it felt during that game on Saturday. They're just missing a bit of spark in that pack. It's a tough, durable forward pack. They get the job done, but it's not complementing the style of play they want to play at the moment. They need like a uh, like a Hunko or Ricard Hutting, uh, you know, like a dynamic ball runner, uh, Eric Duchel up in Seattle, uh, Devin Short, San Diego, that, that type of player who can get the ball off the nine or on a tip on and it just has that little bit of X factor about them. At the moment, they're relying on, you know, Viti and Kalinasau, um, two guys who look very, very frustrated, to be honest, uh, with their situation at the moment. But uh, the Sabercats, it doesn't get any easier for them this week either, Pete. They say they've got a tough road trip out to Seattle, but we'll touch on that a little later. And then the uh, next two games, well, it was uh, Snowmageddon in Seattle a few weeks ago. And this was uh, another little uh, – you had a good little word for something with snow in it there, Pete? Snowpocalypse, maybe? Snowpocalypse. I think I think there was – I mean, it was – I mean, th- these these two games in um, Glendale and in Utah were some of the more difficult conditions I've seen rugby played, I think. I mean, it was bad. I mean, people that don't don't realize how cold it is when you're there. I mean, you know, when the lines that, well, it's, you know, you know, it's bad. Number one, Dan, when they're shoveling the snow so you can see the lines and then about 20 minutes later, you can't see the lines anymore. Well, two of I our, mean, uh, I mean, it, it's bad. Two of our, our commentating colleagues, uh, Mark Stavina and James Patterson did this game and we were, texting each other back and forth as uh, they were sending me pictures of their entire table uh, just covered in snow, Oh, freezing. of course, because Glendale doesn't have, a, like, the booths open. I didn't even think about that. Man, Mark and James must have been suffering. I mean, that's probably worse than actually playing the game in the snow. You just sit there and you're cold. At least you're running around. But uh, the Raptors, uh, you know, hot favourites coming in Toronto after they were able to dismantle um, the Houston Sabercats down in Houston. Sorry, you know the, the arrows came in on this. You'd have to say pretty firm favourites, but the Raptors handled the conditions better and got the win at home, twenty-two points to zero. Zero being probably the most impressive aspect of the win, Pete, because it's the first shutout in Major League Rugby this year. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I thought that um, you know Toronto, the Toronto Pack played very well. I thought Mike Mike Shepard. Um, in the second row was was really excellent. Um, and, you know, they, they struggled and they really struggled in the kicking game, right? And this was surprising. I mean, I've, I've always felt like, you know, if I'm Glendale and I'm Dave Williams, I just want to survive the ARC time. I mean, you know, um, he didn't have his, his scrum half and fly half were starting for the Eagles later on that day, right? And to lose that nine and 10, but to still have an edge in the kicking game and be more effective, I think that's where the game was won and lost, and especially in the in those conditions. And, and of course, Dan, when we say the kicking game, it's not just the kick; it's also the chase. And I thought the Glendale kick chase was excellent in this game. Yes, it was. And uh, like I said, they handled those conditions far superior to Toronto, who you would expect to be much more uh, adept to playing in the snow, coming from uh, a much more uh, snowy place in Toronto. On the other side of the Rockies, Pete, it was New Orleans and Utah, and this was a real seesaw game. I was following this one online. It was back and forward, back and forward, and I think you and I talked about last week just how you know Confoli and Scott Gale and Tristan Blewett were going to respond to running out into snow probably for the first time in their careers, but uh, they handled it with, uh, with a touch of class that you expect from those professional guys, but... At the death, it was Nola who squeaked home with a win, 22-19. And uh, probably looking back at the game, Pete, I feel they were the better side on the night as well. Well, I mean, I think there's one thing that we're learning about Utah, which is they are a really, really excellent defensive team. 
I mean, I think they defended in that second half. Nola threw huge amounts at them, and they kept kind of like bailing themselves out. They would Nola would be in with a, a couple of yards. I mean, again in the snow, there'd be a turnover, and um, Toronto were you know able to push themselves out. But you know, it, it's it's impressive. I mean, I thought um, Ara Elkington on defense was absolutely massive for um, for uh, Utah. But you just can't hold these NOLA players out. You know, Scott Gale at 10 played really well. And, of course, Nick Feeks scored a hat trick. Now, you know, two of those tries, I mean, he finished them, but he didn't have far to go. And one of them was, was, was really excellent. Um, but I think that... It was really the play of the um, players inside in those tough conditions. You know, when you say it's snowing like that, Dan, and you say, well, a wing scored three tries, you would say that's pretty impressive for the inside back. So it's not surprising that Scott Gale and Con Foley at 10 and 12 made the team of the week because it was really their ability to be able to move move that ball under tough conditions that allowed um, uh, Nola to win. The other thing I would say, and, and this is something that Houston, I mean, sorry, that Utah are going to have to really look at was the scrum. I mean, they really struggled in the scrum um, and, you know, there were three or you know, two penalties and a free kick against them. Um, you know, I think that, you know, they're only retaining about 60% of their own ball. Um, they're only completing about 56% of their own scrum. So, you know, I think that's something, I mean, that really put them in a hole in a, in a you know, at a time when um, there were, you know, 13 scrums, which isn't a lot, but they really struggled in most of them. And, and that's when Nola got 100% and it had 100%, 100% completion. So the scrum's going to be important for Utah. They're demonstrating that they're good defensively, but they really need to demonstrate that, um, you know, that they can play off that set piece off their own ball if they want to really, you know, move their way up into the top tier. Well, Pete, let's take a closer look at our team of the week. Before we jump into our Player of the Week interview, um, these selections done every week by a panel at Major League Rugby and released. You can get on all the socials on the uh, Facebook and Instagram and the Twitter and find these. And, you know, it's something that we need to really recognize. It's a great achievement for these players to be selected each week and adds to the validity of the league, I believe, as well, Pete. So let's yeah. dive. Sorry, mate, go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was going to say, and I think it's for some of these players that are are really standing out and and doing some 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 great stuff. I mean, I thought one of the biggest impacts of any of the teams this weekend was Dylan Fortley, sorry, Forsett coming back from the US being released to play play for Rooney. I thought, you know, he really provides so much in that front row both in the set piece, particularly in the lineouts but also around the field. I thought um, you know, Dylan had a, a great impact and earned his um, starting hooker position at player of the week. Absolutely. Yeah, let's go through that front row. You mentioned Fawcett. He did get the start at hooker. Franco Vandenberg from the Utah Warriors. He was selected at loose head while at tight head Marco uh, Fepalia out of the Glendale Raptors. That's a pretty impressive looking front row there. And we'll I know. I'm, into... I'm, so I'm looking at this team and I'm like, you know, it'd be interesting to get this team to match up against the US. This would be a pretty good game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you know it's been discussed, and we can jump into that on another podcast. I really think that having that All Stars game or uh, possibles, probables, or something along those lines is the next step for Major League Rugby to get uh, some sort of um, higher honors representative rugby, and whether it's uh, US MLR versus the world, or you know, an Eagles or Falcons or you know, select side versus an uh, MLR All-Stars. I think that's a great idea, Pete. Well, I mean, I think actually uh, Major League Rugby should um, take uh, an All-Star team and go over and play in August and play in some of the preseason games against the Premiership teams. I think that would be not only a great marketing plan, but also a great test for these players to be able to go over and play in one of the top teams in the world. It could be the top 14. And you can imagine, you know, it's out of season for us. It, um, you know, it, it, it would have to be the players that don't go to the World Cup for the various teams this year. But I think we could put together a team that would grow, learn, and build the brand over in the, over in the UK and in France. I think that's, uh, um, you know, that would be where, where I would go uh, with, with sort of um, an MLR Lions team or something like that. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a really good idea. Uh, have them come here. We go there, alternate years, help develop that pathway between uh, the UK or maybe take them down to South Africa and play some of the, uh, the universities or provincial sides, New Zealand. I would say Australia, but uh, we all know Australian rugby is garbage at the moment, so let's not even go down there. <laughs> so in in the second rows, we've got um, Mike Shepard and Luke White. And Luke White, you know, I've already talked, spoken about Mike Shepard, but Luke White, I thought, um, uh, has is such a strong player. I mean, he's one of those guys that's sort of um, a couple of inches too short, right? I mean, he's, you know, I think 6'4", a little bit too short maybe for an international, but such a physical player and has been captaining the uh, um, Raptors so well uh, as their Eagles have been away and, and a well-deserved nod to him this week. Yeah, I'm really impressed with Luke White, especially when he took the captaincy on, Pete. It seems to have uh, – and you know as a coach, selecting a captain is is often a difficult decision because there's so many different personalities in the side that you have to think about and – you know, what kind of captain do you want? Do you want a, a, a communicator? Do you want a physical captain? You know, a presence captain? There's, there's a lot of things going to it. But I feel with Dave Williams selecting Luke White, it's actually improved Luke's game. Um, he's taken on the responsibility really, really well. And he's lifted the level of his performance because I think that captaincy is something he really cherishes. So you can see it in his performance. He's really trying to lead and go forward. And again, Carried the ball for 12 times, over 102 metres. And in the snow, Pete, 102 metres on 12 carries, that is just really, really tough going for a man of his size. Um, and I just love the way he does attack the line with the ball. He's so physical. And you can tell players really don't like tackling him. Um, right. He, ha- he has that mental effect on other teams where they see him coming and you're like, you know he's going to wind up. He's going to get up to 100 really quick and he's going to come at you and you know every time you're going to have to be just as physical and it's, it hurts and it stings and it's just, you get sick of it after a while. And yeah, Impressed. But uh, also, big Mike Shepard, you already gave him some raps. He had a, another big game for the Arrows there in, uh, in a losing effort. So good work to both those players. Pete, let's move on to the back row. And uh, again, we have some representation there from the Arrows in uh, Peter Malazzo. At blindside, he'll put on the six. James Denise, who got player of the match in the Houston-New uh, York game, just over Dylan Fawcett. That was a, a real close pick, that one. And then uh, Aaron Schramm, the big German uh, number eight from Houston. He tried very, very hard all night down there for the Sabre Cats. Yeah, I mean, I think Schramm's a, a, a good pickup. I think, I think he's playing well. Um, but I think it's interesting to see um, uh, James Denise make the squad because, you know, he's playing uh, because John Quill is away. And it tells you something about the um, the depth of Rooney when you have another player comes in, scores a couple of tries, um, you know, has eight ball carrier, full carries, 13 tackles, active around the field. I mean, I think the, um, you know, the back row, the back row of Rooney is, is 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 really stacked, and there's going to be a lot of competition there. Yeah, good to see JD back out there too. Old teammate of mine, we played at Nyack together. He was just a a young. I was going to say, is young... he that old? Is he that old? He's one of these guys we no. should celebrate. <laughs> we were at opposite ends of the spectrum then, so he's probably where I was back then. Now uh, he's probably he's probably a bit older actually, but yeah, Jersey Shore haircut and the. T-shirts that were a couple of sizes too small and the attitude that was a couple of sizes too big. But uh, it's great to see JD still kicking out there and doing a great player, great teammate too. Really uh, love playing with him. Pete, let's go through the halves combination now. Talk us through these two. So we have – and help, help, help me out on the pronunciation here. Um, Carlo that's Donation. why I had you do this. Too. Yeah, uh, Carlo Donation. I think that's uh, how you pronounce it at nine and Scott Gale at ten. And, uh, you know, I actually think Scott – Gale may end up being one of the um, best pickups of the year. Um, he, he's a he's a very very good player. But the biggest thing about Scott Gale for Nola is um, it it allows them to move um, Taylor Howden out of ten, which I don't think is his natural position. They move him to um, thirteen, and then move JP Eloff to fifteen, and which. I, I think we've got all players playing in their best position as opposed to, if you remember last year, 
Damn, we were always wondering, you know, JP, they tried JP Elof at 10 and they tried Taylor Howden at 10, but now you've got those players playing in their best position. And I think that's, that's, uh, um, uh, I think that's why Scott Gale is probably the best pickup of, of the season. Um, and then quickly, let's get through, uh, um, I'll get through the, uh, um, the centers with um, Con Foley again for Nola um, with that great 10 12 partnership with Gale. And um, then um, Kalina Sal really beginning to find his feet. But as we said before, I think he's, you know, he's working off scraps and he's not working in the space that he would like to. I think that um, when Arada comes back from Houston and they can play a little bit quicker, we'll see um, some of those outside backs for Houston really um, pick it up and, and, and really show what they can do. Yep. I uh, thought he really struggled, to be honest with you, uh, Sayer, and not on his own accord. I don't think he's 100% physically ready to be playing yet. It was a tough night out there for him. really didn't get much go forward. I mean, 48 metres from 10 carries, just 4.8 metres a carry is uh, is pretty low for an outside centre, especially of his calibre. Um, also much the same for his wing partner, Joshua Vithi, very frustrating game for him. You could see he had a few moments there where I think he would like to take them back. A um, couple of late hits, a couple of dirty shots, and even the referee said he was getting very frustrated with him out there. And I think both those guys are just, to the style of play that Houston are playing, it's just not really fits into that Fijian style of rugby. And I think uh, Kit McConaughey and myself mentioned a few times that you know you've got these great weapons out there, yet you're not really doing much with them. So what's the point? But, uh, yeah, Confoli was great, though. Really, uh, I really liked the looks of Confoli. Not surprising. You know, he's played at a high level with the sevens. And then uh, fullback, Ben Foden. How good did he look moving back to fullback as well? Yeah, I mean, I think that's where he needs to play for Rooney. I mean, there's lots of different um, choices you have to make um, when you look at selections. So you don't always play... Um, a player in their best position because um, you might have the, that might be where you have depth. But I thought Foden looked great at 15. I think he has, he can have more command. He can control the game a little bit more. He can use his experience more. And, um, you know, I think he, <clears throat> hopefully uh, Mike Tolkien will be able to keep him at 15 where we can really see him show his quality and have him shine. Yeah. Chris Martina looked a little bit more at home on the wing, to be honest. And, I'm pretty sure he'll be paying close attention. Ben Foden's positional play, as you'd expect, outstanding. His kicking game, outstanding. And it was just the little things like that that young players like Martina need to round their game out to be a complete fullback. It's a tough position to play. And uh, Ben Foden, he scored a great try, and he doesn't have that same zip that he had early in his career, and that's to be understandable, but... He's just uh, mentally still one or two steps ahead of everyone else out there. So good to see him back to his usual position. And Pete, one player I've left off was the left winger, and that was New Orleans' Nick Feeks. And the reason that is, is he is our player of the week this week. And uh, any time a player can score three tries in good weather, it's uh, quite an achievement. But to do it on a night like that, and like you said, two of those tries were... You know, just get it and put it down. But the pressure of that last one in particular with the game on the line in those conditions was outstanding. And Pete, you got a chance to catch up with him earlier today. Well, welcome, Nick. Welcome to Major League Rugby Kickoff. Um, thanks for uh, taking the time to join us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Um, now, um, you were involved in one of the um, snow snowpocalypse games. Uh, um, I hope you've warmed up. Um, how was uh, um, what was the experience right after the game? Were the um, showers decent? Were yeah, you mate, they, that, that was good. They had they had really good uh, shower and facility there, so they were pre- pretty hot instantly, which was good because our our showers here down here in New Orleans sometimes take a little while to warm up. But yeah, it was it it, it wasn't it wasn't too cold because it wasn't windy, but the snow definitely numbed up the hands and feet. Yeah, absolutely. We'll we'll talk a little bit more about that game later. I want to talk a little bit about um, your background. So uh, um, Australian born, um, but traveled a lot and uh, from 
from Canberra, the place that people don't normally admit that they're from in Australia, right? It's like the only, the only major city not near an ocean. So yeah. uh, did you, uh, did you, did you, um, you know, what's your thoughts of growing up in Canberra? Obviously the home of the Brumbies, but uh, um, a sort of a, a little bit of an unusual place for Australia. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's uh, probably not the greatest city in Australia, but it's 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 small enough that you can you can kind of know everyone. Um, so my my mum and dad both work for um, well, dad works for the Department of Foreign Affairs, and mum works for worked for Ausaid. So I travel around a little bit as well. I spent three years in the Philippines and three years in Laos growing up. Um, but but Canberra was good. I started playing footy there when I was about twelve. Um, it's 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 a it's one of the only big cities that also gets pretty cold in Australia. So, <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. Um, having been there a couple of times, I think it's a great, a great city. But um, the Australians tend to have uh, some different views of it. So, so you you decided to leave the uh, um, uh, the cold of Canberra for the cold of the Midwest, and you went to Lindenwood University. Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Um, yeah, so I, I like ever since I was probably like fourteen or fifteen, I always wanted to go and go and study abroad. Um, and I, I went on holiday to America a few times with my mum, and just loved it. Like, thought it was such an awesome place to live. I mean, to to visit. Uh, so then I just sent out like the same generic email with my details to about fifty universities, not knowing really knowing what I would get back. And the head coach at Linwood at the time, Ron Lesheski, was was pretty quick on the reply, um, and and sorting everything out for me. So so I decided to go there. It was funnily enough, two guys that I'd played rugby against since I was probably twelve um, went went as well, and none of us actually knew that each other was going until they oh. annou- announced it on our face or announced it on their Facebook page. That so that was pretty cool. Oh, that is cool, and obviously a, a tremendous um, career at Lindenwood, particularly in sevens, um, a number of championships, including the, the, the CRCs. So do you consider yourself a sevens player, a 15s player, or a rugby player that can do both? I'd probably say just a rugby player that can do both. I think I, I love I love my sevens. Um, I love playing it. We don't really play it too much in Australia, really. So I've kind of got my first real taste of it when I came over to America and really enjoyed it. Um, but I think, I think sevens is pretty good for... Um, good for developing skills um as a rugby player in general you know your catch pass and, and your tackling because because you're kind of since there's only seven you on the field you you have to do more and more is expected out of you so i think that's really helped me like with my confidence and just and getting those like basic skills down so, so oh. yeah sorry that's that's taylor's son just having a bit of a yell out there oh okay no problem no problem so so that so so you're so you're um, living with uh, Taylor Howden? Yeah, I live with Taylor Howden and Zach Striffler. Oh, okay, and, cool. So little... um, Taylor's partner, Lexi, and, and son, William. All right, so do you get any – how old's William? Uh, he is a two and a half about. Oh, maybe. good. So normally sleeps through the night but sometimes doesn't. Yeah, he's usually, he's usually pretty good, mate. Wakes up at not, eight or nine in the morning and, and, and lets, us, lets us get some good sleep. In, All right, which is that is nice. good. It's good. So let's get let's get back to Lindenwood. Um, yeah. Tell us, like, what's what's one of the memories that you have at Lindenwood that, like, thirty or forty years ago, years from now, you're going to tell your grandkids something that because you had so many great memories. But what's what's one of them that's going to really stick with you? Um, I think I think the one that sticks out to me the most is um, the CRC this year. You know, like we always lose to life in fifteens. I reckon we've played them ten or twelve times since I was at Lindenwood, and we lost every single time. There's been some close ones, but we've off. We've also got flogged a few times. Um, but yeah, just beating them in the semi-final was pretty like awesome. We we'd never beat them in anything before, so that was a great feeling. And I think that getting over the hump there gave us a lot of confidence going into the going into the grand final. So I think that whole tournament was was probably my favourite memory at Linwood. So, you know, um, uh, you have, you, um, you know, played at Lindenwood. Uh, I saw you star at the uh, Rugby Town Sevens with the Collegiate All-Americans. You played 15s with the Collegiate All-Americans. So, you know, you're on, on that pathway. Um, how did you choose NOLA? What was that process? And, and what was it about NOLA that made it attractive to you? Um, so I was, I was mates with Taylor uh before before i uh came down here and he he said you know like 
if you if you want to play, I reckon they'll have a kind of there'll be a spot for you here next year. So I got chatting to Nate, um, and then I kind of ca- I came down over the summer as and the back end of last season and just trained with them for the last three weeks or two weeks, um, and then stayed and played sevens with New Orleans Rugby Club, which gave which gave Fitzy and 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 Nate a kind of chance to evaluate me, you know, because it's, it's it's obviously a lot a lot harder to evaluate someone just based on watching um, their film or whatever. So so I think that that. That's that that gave them a good impression of me, who I hope. And then yeah, so we just Fitzy and I kind of negotiated and talked about talked about it um, after the college all American business. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was all awesome bunch of blokes. Nate's a really really nice guy, like a, as well as a great coach, you know, approachable and and, and friendly guy. So that 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 was one of the major um, major keys for why I came here. Now, you know, you look at NOLA and you look at how they play and, and, you know, I've got a lot of respect for the style that Nate has implemented and it's basically lots of decisions all over the field, right? And so, you know, and there's there's a lot of people in that back line that can play multiple positions. Like Taylor can pretty much play through the back line. JP can pretty much play through the back line. You can play through the back line. What do you think your best position is? Is it fullback? Is it 10? Is it in the centers? What do you think, like, five years from now, what do you think? You know, you're, you know, you're going to be playing and maybe playing for the US. What um, was that position? My, my favorite position to play is probably fullback. Um, I got thrown in the deep end at Linwood, just having to play ten because there really wasn't anyone else. Um, so I'd never, I'd never played it before I went to Linwood. Um, when I was growing up, I played halfback mainly and a little bit of fullback sprinkled in there every now and then. Um, but fullback's my favourite for sure. I mean, it's it's nice to be able to play different positions, but it's also it's a blessing and a curse because you're usually in the twenty three, but more more often than not, you'll be wearing that number twenty three or twenty two jersey. Right, right. That is that is the challenge. And so, you know, you've come to come to Nola. Um, what's been um, one of the biggest things you've learned in your first season of Major League Rugby with Nola? Um, it's, I don't know if I can really pinpoint one particular thing, but just playing with guys that have like played for their played for their country and and and, and played professionally all over the world, guys like you know Kane Thompson, Cam Dolan, Scotty Gale, and and Con and and Tristan Blue, you know, nearly everyone in the team apart from me. <laughs> apart from me, he's got a pretty good rugby pedigree. Um, but I think I think maybe maybe one of the things is just you know having like. The demeanor on the field, um, like and, and at training, you know, like usually I get get quite worked up sometimes and stuff, and and being with like cool and calm heads and seasoned veterans like that, you know, like it, it, it keeps it reminds me to you know stay calm and 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 have a kind of professional demeanor at training and and on the field sometimes. So that's that's probably the one one thing that's I've learned. Yeah, I mean, I think, and it's 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 partly based on the fact that. You know, it's a um, it's a much uh, um, it's a much harder um, level. You know, it's a higher level of play, right? And so there's more pressure on you. And so yeah. you know, maybe at Lindenwood, by the time you got to the end, it was I wouldn't call it easy, but you felt very comfortable there. And here you are now being thrown in, playing a faster game, more physical game. Yeah. Um, and you and you, ha- and you have played a little bit of ten for Nola, so it's not like you're, you know, you're not being asked asked those questions. So being able to, you know, remain mentally tough and continue to kind of let things go and not get worked up is is a great skill and you've got great role models down there. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's pretty valuable. I know like some guys, everyone kind of prepares for games in different ways, but I think I've found that the approach that works best for me is just kind of relaxing and chilling out and, and whatnot, whereas, you know, probably a couple of years ago I'd be – sculling red bulls and, and playing uh, loud music in my ears the whole time. So. <laughs> well, that's, uh, um, you know, that, that's, uh, that's, that's good to hear that you've made that step. Well, let's, you know, let's talk about the chill, as you said, chilling out and let's yeah. talk about the game. So, yeah. um, you know, before we uh, started recording, you said that not the first time you've played in snow. So coming from Lindenwood in the Midwest, you've, you've, you've done that, but um, what, what did you guys think when when you got to Utah and you saw what it was going to be like? What what changed about the game plan, or you know, what was the discussion before the game? Um, 
So originally it didn't wasn't like forecasted to rain, I mean snow anywhere much as it did. So we didn't really like at training kind of, you know, work on tightening anything up too much. And Nate, Nate, Nate didn't really instruct us to play like any differently, you know, he still just said have a go and, and play expansive quick quick footy. Um, but I think I think the thing that uh, that we did do a little bit differently to previous games is we, we kicked the ball a little bit more um, just to kind of force them to exit exit out, out of their half and out of their 22. So it was good having a couple guys in the back line like Con and, and Scotty and, and JP that can, can kick really well. So that, that, that helped us a lot. Um, but, yeah, no, nothing really changed too much with the weather. It was still get it wide and try and score tries. <laughs> Well, you know, they, they got it wide to you three times. You, you're you the first um, hat, hat trick scorer. Have you ever scored a hat trick before in a game? Um, I've scored a one or two in sevens, but that, that's about it. But never, but never. Not in 15s, no. So, um, you know, uh, I, I, I think there was a couple of the tries where a lot of work was done for you. Yeah. Right? And, there was, and there was one try that I think you had a lot of work to do. So, um, you know, around trying to, trying to get the finish. Yeah, um, you know, after the game, uh, everyone patting your back or everyone keeping you, keeping you, you, you know, your head small because you're the young guy in the back line. Uh, no, everyone was pretty stoked. I mean, just because we won the game, like everyone was generally happy. But I mean, most of those tries, or anyone could have scored them, just had to catch the ball and fall over. So, um, <laughs> so that, that was good. It was, it was good, good to get my hands on the ball a little bit. Um, and then, and at wing, you know, you don't really have to make too many decisions it's just kind of catch it and try and beat the bloke right right which is is refreshing sometimes after playing like playmaking positions like full full fullback and 15 where you have to constantly be you know alert and thinking the whole time absolutely all right well you know nick um thank you so much for your time I'm, i'm i'm certain as you go through your major league rugby career you'll you will continue to receive accolades i i, I think you're one of the more exciting players in Major League Rugby, and you're a pioneer because you're one of these guys that has come from college and made that next step, and um, you're blazing a trail for the guys that come after you. So um, good luck with the rest of your season, and um, fingers crossed, no more snow. Yeah, thank you very much for the kind words. I appreciate it, and and thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, Had a good time. It was great to um, connect with Nick. Um, and hear his thoughts, and uh, I always find it interesting to hear about these guys and their experience with their teams um, and their experience in uh, Major League Rugby. I remember seeing him um, play uh, for the All-Americans at the uh, Rugby Town Sevens and having him be impressive there, so it's great to see him make this next step. Yep, we uh, talked about him a few weeks ago playing at 10 in his game where uh, Scotty Gale was out and thought he handled himself really well there, gets a start in the wing and does well. What great versatility and what a luxury for Nate Osborne and uh, Nola Gold down there to have a player like Feeks just pretty much able to slot him wherever you need him. Yeah, I mean, I think 10s is long, uh, long-term long position, and I'm sure that Nate is looking to groom him um, to, to be a 10. But, you know, the wonderful thing about Nola is so many of their players can play multiple positions. I mean, you know, so I think Feeks could probably play almost any position in the back line, um, except maybe nine. Um, I think JP Eloff could play any position in the back back line, including nine. Um, so they've got a number of players that can um, play all over the place, and they're just really good rugby players. And um, it must be a pleasure to coach guys that can think with the ball in their hand. and It, it, it opens up doors for the kind of game that you want to play. Do you know I was actually a scrum half my first year of rugby? I mean, you were four, right? No, I was 12. The school I went to played rugby league from 10 to 12, and then 13 we went rugby union. And so when I was 12 at the end of the year, so grade seven, I was playing uh, hooker in rugby league. So very similar kind of role to a scrum half. And I had hit that stage of my development where I grew out, not up. And I was kind of a short, <laughs> dumpy little thing, which is kind of amusing now for everyone who knows what I look like. But at the time, I was a little short and dumpy. And then from 12 to 13, I think I grew like eight or nine inches. So I came back to school the next uh, next year after break. And the rugby coach, she was uh, 
he was devastated. He's like, what happened to you? I'm like, I don't know, Drew. So I think I played one game at nine and, and I was so slow and tall and couldn't get into all the places that a good nine can get to that they started moving me a little further out. But one game at nine, there you go. Well, there you go. Well, I just want to point out for those of you that have seen Dan commentate, not just with me, but pretty much with any of the other commentators, and you see them standing next to each other, Dan is doing, doing sort of like a semi-split to get down to a level that it, the difference is not crazy. So um, I, he's a he was a six foot five fly half fullback to give you an idea. Who apparently didn't from rugby league. Who apparently didn't like to tackle very much. So I think I think <laughs> you're like a you're like you're like a unicorn. You're one of those things that don't exist very much. I'd done all my tackling in league. I didn't, okay. like, I, I didn't like everyone jumping on me after the tackle. I got a little nervous down there. Right, right, I saw, absolutely. I saw one of those Bollywood movies with rugby, and I think one of the guys died at the bottom of the ruck, and it, it uh, scared me for the rest of my career. So, but let's not talk about that. That's old news. Let's talk about the ARC because that's fresh news, and it's not good news for USA fans, and uh, to a lesser extent, world rugby as well, as they came out with their new initiative for this uh, global league and left out a lot of uh, countries, and there was a lot of talk and chatter, and then. You know, as uh, as the way it goes, a little uh, poetic justice for those as Uruguay comes out and beats the USA, who is one of the nations tabbed to join this new global league, and just uh, firing a shot over world rugby and saying, uh, "Not so, not so quick, there, guys. It's don't forget about us." Thirty-two twenty-five, they get the win in Seattle, Pete. Uh, what do you think of the performance? Well, I mean, I think I don't think uh, um, anyone. Um was happy with the performance. It's kind of been a sort of weird two weeks. I mean, we we had a team that that was able to execute and really able to sort of get into their systems and and, um, against both Argentina and Uruguay, our accuracy just hasn't been good enough. Um, You know, we, we, in in particular against Uruguay, we were really punished for some poor kicks and poor kick chases and the Uruguayan teams just, just cut us up. But it just, you know, it's obviously a step back. I don't think Gary Gold is going to be happy with it. Um, I think it's, uh, um, you know, good that we're all upset because it means that our expectations have, have risen. Uh, but, you know, there's a there's a lot of work to be done with this team, um, both in terms of their performance and their confidence to be able to turn this around um, and, you know, prepare for the, for the World Cup. Yeah, I think the... Uh... The safest position in world rugby right now is AJ McGinty playing 10 for the USA. Um, we are a different side when he starts, and that's something we're going to have to work on to get some depth at that position or get some confidence at that position. I'm not sure we, which one well, it I is. Mean, I mean, right now we have um, Will Hooley and uh, Will McGee who are both in the squad, and then we've got Ben Seema, and all of those guys are young. All of those guys are people that are looking at 2023. So I don't think it's... Uh, you know, I think um, AJ is absolutely, I mean, he's he's one of the players that, you know, one of the few players that we have um, that, you know, would be pushing to be playing in any of the teams in the world, right? He would be considered, even if you were looking at a New Zealand or a, um, <clears throat> or an England, you would probably be talking about him potentially, you know, being in their squad. So he's one of the few world-class players that we have. So losing him, um, you know, for these games is for this game is obviously a, um, a, a significant challenge. Um, but, you know, we, we, we are, de- we, we do have depth, you know, we, we do have players that are, that are coming up and another player that, um, uh, um, who is another world-class player who is a, you know, who now owns a world record is um, hooker uh, Joe um, Talfate, who uh, I believe um, broke Keith Wood's record as number of tries from a hooker. So uh, congratulations to Joe. Yeah, and when Keith finished playing, he was uh, significantly older than what Joe is now. So not only has he broken the record, I'm guessing he's going to extend that quite a ways. And it will be uh, it'll be quite an ask to run that down. What a prolific try scorer big Joe is. I mean, outstanding performance. And that's a, again, that's a record that I think he'll keep for a, a long, long time. I don't really see that one getting broken. I mean, Keith Wood, we, we remember him, you and I remember watching Keith Wood play for Ireland and, and just 
how crazy it was and athletic and how much he changed that position with his abilities. And sometimes uh, if you're an Irish fan, probably backed his abilities too much sometimes with some of his kicking. But, uh, yeah, so congratulations to Joe. Just absolutely outstanding. And it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back this week against Canada. Um, Big game up in Seattle again, right? Sold out. Standing room only this weekend. So I think if they take a loss here, there's going to be there's going to be some serious uh, serious you know in the in the man in the mirror moments for a lot of players leading up to the World Cup. So there could be some players playing themselves off the plane, and uh, some players who will be not in the squad at the moment who could find themselves thrust in there. So it'll yeah, I mean, be, I think- uh, it'll be a great one. What I'm going to look for, because I think it's going to be a really exciting game this weekend, and what I'm going to look for is um, I'm going to look for how well does the U.S. keep their cool when things get tough? Because I think um, there's a little bit of a lack of leadership right now that's out there. Um, It looks like when um, things don't go well, uh, there are a couple of players that start. Um, you saw Ben Landry do it. You saw Hanko Hamasay do it in the forwards. They, They they started to lose their they're cool. They started to lose their um, mental toughness. So the, the the trick is when you know if Canada is able to get on the front foot and put the U.S. under pressure, can the U.S. keep their cool, not act out individually, but respond as a unit? And if they do, I think that'll be a big step forward. Yes, it will. That game will be on Friday night up there in Seattle uh, with its brand new rugby lines, which uh, I know a lot of people are ecstatic about. I got a bunch of messages uh, last week when we did the game out there that they're like, are they real rugby lines? Are they permanent? They're going to stay there. They were there for that game and they are there for the USA game. So look out, Seattle. They've <laughs> uh, got it all dialed in, Shane Skinner and his team. Now let's take a look. Also on Friday night, Pete, uh, Major League Rugby kicks off. And it is Rooney. The Roosters are on the road with the Utah Warriors. That one is going to be a Friday night at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Uh, nationally, ESPN Plus in Utah, KMYU, and in New York area, SNY. Let's uh, get the tips going. I think, uh, how did we do last week? I think we're two and one. We both I, missed I, Glendale, right? Yeah, I think that's right. So we've still got that double... From last week, from the draw, we've got to figure out. So let's see if we can get it done this week. Uh, I'll go first on this one because it's easy, and I'll go Rooney. So, you know, I I thought I better – I just pulled up weather.com. Um, Friday's going to be cold, um, 90% chance of rain with snow accumulating one to three inches. I don't know. I mean, I think I think Rooney's going to be interesting. I, I – my – my instinct says to go with Rooney, but if you look at the um, uh, Utah performance against Nola, I think defensively they can play with anyone. Um, I think that they miss Josh Reeves. Um, so, you know, I, and I don't think he'll be back this week. So, you know, I think it's going to be a close game. I think that, um, you know, Rooney uh, on the road again. I think is going to be tough. I think, uh, you know what, I'm going to go for Utah, but I think it's going to be very, very close. I also don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. So I'm going to go Utah um, 20, Rooney 18. Oh, this is going to be it. This is double points. It'll uh, it'll be interesting. I I imagine that they're going to lose Dylan Fawcett. Uh, Actually, I'm positive they are. So that will – we saw in Seattle when they couldn't get their line-out going – uh, how how much that affected Rooney? So I don't think Mike Brown has no, two, no, two no, games. No, no. Like you have selected Rooney. No, Go I have. Rooney, I just, us, okay. just tell us the score. Just, you didn't tell us the score. Tell us the score. I'm just trying to I'm trying to build in an excuse if I'm wrong. That's what I'm doing right. here. So when people come back and say ha ha, I can say yeah, but I I was on the fence. I just had to make a pick. So no, yeah. I think I think Rooney. Oh, they're, they're training in the cold weather and. Uh, I think it will be tight. I don't think it's going to be a, a, a very open game out there for sure. I will go Rooney, and I'll say it's going to be 27-17. Did, did Aaron Castro pop in to tell us something right there? Because uh, I'm not sure. I thought he – I think he was just taking a little, uh, little cheap how, shot. How Australian of, uh, of Dan Power to, you know. What do Australians do, Aaron? 
Well, you know, uh, twenty-five million people here. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> well, before any, before we'll, we'll save Aaron from uh, um, from anything else. So um, let's get on to the next game. So the next game is the Austin Elite at Glendale, and that's on um, the uh, Nine News dot com. So it's actually on their website being streamed again. Nine o'clock. Oh, this is sorry, nine o'clock on Saturday. And uh, the weather's a little bit better. Uh, it's going to be a little bit better in Glendale on um, Saturday, although it's still going to be cold, but it will not be snowing. So what's your choice on this one? Oh, I'm going to go first again. Uh, well, there's, there's three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and Austin losing. So I will go <laughs> Glendale. I'm sorry, Austin, but it's, it's, you're making it difficult. And knowing my luck, they'll turn it around this weekend. But Glendale at home, they showed against Toronto. They're they're uh, they're not the side they were last year, but they're not a side that can be written off either. And um, I will go Glendale at home. And it's going to be dry, you said. Weather's decent. Yeah, it's going to be chilly, but it'll be dry. Yeah, that's, that, that plays into Glendale's favour for sure. I'll go the Raptors. Uh, we'll go 32-19. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with the Raptors, although I think that um, uh, Austin have some reinforcements coming in after the ARC, which is, I think, what they need. They need a few more game breakers. Um, and I'm going, to, I'm going to be with you on this one. I think Glendale um, at home, it'll be a little bit chilly, so it'll be harder for Austin. Um, but I don't think it's going to be that that open. I don't think Glendale, um, you know, they, they can certainly, um, you know, they're, they're the old guard, the um, Adam Malifas and the Peter Dahls. Um, and the Zach Fenolios really um, provide a lot. And I actually thought they did a great job. I thought um, their wings did a great job working off their wing coming in last week. So I think that they definitely had some players play. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Glendale. Um, I'm going to go with Glendale 25-10. It's not bad. I think we've got the almost identical spread there, just oh. different scores. Okay. So now we move on to Sunday, two games on Sunday. Early game is Houston traveling up to Seattle. This game again, nationally available on ESPN Plus in Houston. It's on Cube and in the Pacific Northwest, it's on Root Sports. And uh, the Sabercats, this is probably one of the hardest road trips in Major League Rugby. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I, I just can't see a way of Houston right now being able to break down this seawall. I don't think they play quickly enough. I think that the physicality, of the um, uh, Seattle defense is going to be hard for the Houston forwards to generate some of that go forward. I, I like I've said, I, I don't think Houston is that far away from um, you know being a very good team. I just don't think traveling to Seattle is the way to get there. So I think I don't think this is going to be a really high scoring game, um, but I do think Seattle are going to win this relatively comfortable comfortably. So I think. Um, we'll have uh, Seattle 26, um, Houston 12. Yep, I'm, uh, I'm going with you on this one, Seattle, for sure, at home. How, how good is it to Seattle here? They sell out the test match on Friday night. This game sold out as well. So <laughs> two, two great games of rugby, 48 hours apart, both sold out. So well done, Seattle as a city, as a, as a rugby city. And, uh, you know, you've got Rugby Town, USA, in Glendale. Now we've got Rugby City, USA, well, which is bigger than a town. That's Seattle. And let's remember that this is the same weekend as the Vancouver Sevens, which is a real draw for the local rugby community, which includes the community, community um, across the border. So uh, Seattle are really doing something right to be able to generate this buzz um, on a weekend when you would kind of assume that, a bunch of rugby fans would go north of the border for the uh, for the sevens tournament, but um, they're able to keep them at home, and it's uh, it's. I mean, I think it's the best home field advantage so far in Major League Rugby, and uh, um, I think they'll be leveraging it against Houston. I agree, and I think this one's going to be a blowout. I really think the Sea Wolves are going to uh, put the sword to the Sabercats. The Sabercats they need their players back, and uh, they're going to need a, a little change of direction down there in Houston to uh, turn that ship in the right uh, right direction, I guess. And I'll say it's going to be 45-12. Yes. Okay. That's that's a blowout. That's a um, Seattle team with uh, 
Ben Seymour standing flat and with Richie Walker whispering in his ear, opening up the uh, Houston defense. That's well, a, you know, a you know who's going to be there. It's going to be Gary Gold and his coaching staff. They're going to stick around and watch this game. There's a lot of players on that Seattle side who feel like they should be uh, a part of that squad, and that's a that's a dangerous motivation to throw into a yeah, squad. That's a, yeah, that's a that's a that's a very very good point. Last game of the weekend is um, our CBS Sports game of the week, and it is 10:30 um, p.m. Eastern time to Ronto at San Diego. You're going to go against the grain here, Dan? No, I'm going San Diego. <laughs> I've got to call this game. So anytime I told you this is what I'm going to do. Anywhere I'm going, I pick that team because I've, they come and find me, Pete. These players, <laughs> they come and find me. They take this really personally the, the, for these picks. And I'm like, well, it's just just a bit of fun. It's like uh, it doesn't mean that I don't like you as a person. It's just I've got to pick one team or the other. And I'll go San Diego, though. That's a tough trip from Toronto down to San Diego. It's not going to be great weather from uh, what I've been told. Maybe high 50s, low 60s, but it'll be dry, which is a, a big difference. And and, and let's uh, be honest, high 50s, low 60s is great weather for, for Toronto, not only considering what they get at home, but also what they had last week in Glendale. That sounds true. like great weather. Correct, correct. But I've also heard, and I, I cannot reveal but I've heard that there might be some new players coming into the Legion this weekend. So keep an eye when those rosters are named for a couple of new names in there. And I think the fans of the Legion are going to be very happy to see some of those names. So I will go the Legion. I think they'll get it done pretty uh, pretty convincingly at the end of the day. Um, are, they, are they getting anyone back from the ARC? Um, I'm not uh, sure. Yeah, it's a little bit early in the week to know some of this stuff. Yeah, I still think they get it done. I'm just thinking my score. I'll go uh, uh, tw- 28-17. So this to me is a really interesting game for Toronto because, you know, there's, um, there was a lot of talk before the, the Arrows came into the league about um, the fact that, um, you know, they played as, the, uh, as Ontario and there were these players that had played together. And I think there was a little bit of some um, – you know, confidence north of the border about how well the Arrows have done. But this is going to be a real test. I think the San Diego team is the real deal. Um, I've called a couple of their games. Uh, I've seen them in moments play as well as anyone in the league. They just haven't been accurate enough. I think if they can put together a game where they can be really accurate and not turn the ball over when they get that pace of game going up, which is what they've done, um, I think they're going to be tough to handle, and that's without those extra players that you talked about. So um, I'm a, you know, I think I think the Legion are going to be good. I think Toronto are going to begin to feel um, the pain of all the travel that they're doing and and um, the challenges and not, you know, having players away at the ARC. Um, I think this is going to be, uh, you know, and if you tell me it's dry in 50s and 60s. Um, if Joe Peterson stays healthy and can stay on for the whole game, um, I think you know this is going to be a 32-15 win for, for the Legion. There you have it. So we only disagreed on Rooney Utah. That's double points on Friday night. So and I sure and I were. really like like I'm split on this one. You know, remember how close I called it. I you know it's hard for me to pick against Rooney. I think the loss of Fawcett's going to be big. Um, I think Alf Daniels and his coaching staff. I you know. When um, I called their game a couple of weeks ago, he, he felt like they were a few games short. And their defensive effort against Nola, even though the conditions were tough, I thought was a really good foundation to build on. So I think Rooney's going to struggle to score points. Um, they've shown, um, you know, last week they did a really good job. Um, ben Foden at 15 really helped them open up the game. But they've had some struggles in, in scoring when they get near the line. You know, it often takes them like, 20 phases, 25 phases to get over the line. So um, I think against the strong Utah defense, I think that's going to be a struggle for them. So I think it's going to be a close game. But I pick Utah just, you know, to be a little contrarian. There we go. I like it. I think Utah, looking at the teams at that uh, the, the bottom third, we'll call it, seven, eight, nine, they can make a run. They really have a talented side. It's just not going to start this week against Rooney, unfortunately, <laughs> for them. 
All right, Pete. Well, it promises to be a big, big weekend of Major League Rugby action. Also, like you said, USA played Canada Friday night. Vancouver Sevens going on as well. So lots of rugby to watch. Make sure you uh, get in front of a television or an iPad or something and invite a friend. And Pete, tell the tell the the fans where they can find us, what they need to do, and all that uh, razzmatazz and jazz. Well, you know, if you're listening, you've already found us. So thank you very much for um, for listening. But it's great if you can subscribe at whatever your podcast um, provider is, and particularly on somewhere like iTunes. If you can subscribe and then um, leave us a rating, the more people that subscribe and the more ratings and the higher ratings, the easier it is for people to find us. But um, we appreciate everyone listening. And Dan, always good to catch up with you. I'm not sure when I'm going to see you again. You keep passing through town and not telling me when that happens. But um, hopefully our paths will cross face to face soon and not just in the virtual podcast world. You sound like one of my old girlfriends there, but uh, I'll, I'll talk to you offline. We'll, we'll set up a coffee real soon, I promise. All right. Sounds good. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. We will catch you next week. Enjoy the weekend of rugby. For uh, Pete Steinberg, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Power. Thanks for tuning in.